Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Whiskey on the Weekend. This is part two of our August 10th episode. BJ, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, Levi, we got you? I'm right here, buddy. Spencer, are you hammered yet? <laughs> uh, no, but that's going to be rapidly corrected. We've got about an hour to get it done. A uh, little housekeeping. Check out Magma Talks TV. Uh, Spencer and I are doing Chernobyl. We're going way too deep into Chernobyl. I'm learning way more than I need to about nuclear reactors. It's been fun, but also sort of a time suck. And check out Mangum Reads. Uh, they have a lot of cool things going on. Mangum Reads, check it out, especially if you like Harry Potter. They're doing some Harry Potter. Let's get into part two of this podcast. And Spencer, you are the one that provided the whiskey. What whiskey are we drinking in part two? We're moving on to a bourbon upon suggestion of the group here, and uh, this was provided by my boss, where we she was the one that also provided the um, Ooh, your boss the Scottish whiskey that we quite enjoyed last time. So I'm hope got high hopes of this. Also, just a, you guys can see here a beautiful bottle. Uh, for those of you who still have markers, this is the Eagle, or the last one you have remaining, and please the one that just has a little bit of tape on it. So let's give it a try, and then I will tell you what it is. It's cool. Before we give our reactions, um, winter performance reviews for you. Uh, performance reviews have already occurred, so it's not until next year, so feel free to say whatever you damn well please. Gotcha. Don't you have like 47 bosses, too? Like, you don't really have a... <laughs> I have eight separate bosses that I do work for on a regular basis. Uh, this is the one that is, uh, has an office right across from me, so I, her, my immediate oh. boss. So so I, so for your immediate boss, um, I think it's very important that um, before the episode started, Spencer gave a, a good you know, full-throated and, and long whiff of, of this bourbon. He's like, oh, that smells really nice. And just, this is a shock because up until very recently, pretty much any time Spencer smelled anything, um, you know, just in general that, that wasn't uh, Lenore food, like, oh, you know, this isn't really what I want. Mm-hmm. I've broadened my palate since then. Sure. Or as Levi said in the last episode, you just learned what to say. This sponsor? How is it? I, you know, it's very smooth. It doesn't have any harsh taste to me. It has a certain sweet, uh, sweetness, maybe a little bit of thickness, or even a touch of caramel as well. Um, I don't get much complexity from the first taste of it, other than then it is perfectly smooth and perfectly tasty. What do you guys think? I have a question for the group. Whose phone was just ringing? Uh, that was mine. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> totally could hear that. Uh, yeah, I, I like it. I like it better than the first one. Um, it's a little sweet for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's not bad. BJ, what do you think? Um, yeah, so I agree with your assessment, but the sort of the overwhelming thing that I get is, like, a huge, like, baseball bat of oak at the end. Mm, that's fair. That um, I would almost say that that, um, and I feel like this is fairly uncommon, but it, it might have been spent a little bit too much time in the barrel, um, just because you know while it is smooth and sweet, just there, there's just for me like a really huge hit of, of wood at the end. Yep, that's a fair that's a fair summary there, BJ. Levi, did you just knock yours back in one gulp? Uh, I- I thought it was, thought it was delicious. Um, I think mm-hmm. that Spencer's boss has fantastic taste. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's, he's raved endlessly about how great he, great he, how much he enjoys um, the management, managerial style and, and, and the environment. He does, though, think that he should get a raise. So um, there's that, too. 
you guys don't need to to pump me up. I talk with her every day, like eight times a day. There's nothing there's nothing hidden here. But I appreciate the effort. Yes, but she there are qualities that she might not see of you that that we do. Like how cheap you are. <laughs> that, that has actually um, come up, but you know details. In terms of the whiskey, I will say there's a, there's a sort of smell of cherry. If you just smell it in the glass, to me. Let me try that. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's just that sweetness that we're yeah. catching. Oh, certainly. Yeah, and to BJ's point, I think it's it's just sat in the, the barrel for a long time. No, I mean I like it. Yeah, I, I quite like this one. This is maybe one of my favorite ones we've done. Um, really dark whiskey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. In, in, in terms so, of what? Sorry, BJ, go ahead. What's the name of this whiskey? This is Ghost Hill Texas Bourbon Whiskey. That's a weird name. Dripping Springs, USA, and is done by Treaty Oak, which brags about the fact that they are an oak distilling company. So good call, BJ, in terms of the barrels they they use. This is one of those bottles that offers an exceptional amount of detail in terms of describing how it is done, of where it is 57% Texas corn, 32% Texas wheat, and 11% American barley. Oh, yeah, one of these companies is like, hey, we're Texas. Yeah. Texas, whatever. A genuine grain-to-glass bourbon mashed, fermented, distilled, barreled, aged, and bottled on-site at Treaty Oak Distilling. Cool. So, but good on them. I quite it enjoy looks it. like it, it only spent two years in the barrel, which is a little bit surprising. I wonder if being Smaller. in Texas and being in a really, you know, probably hot area, it has a little bit more time in the void than, than other places might that's probably well, VJ, uh, VJ, I could I could help you out here. Just a little factoid: uh, you could also be talking about the volume to surface level ratio, which <laughs> I independently know. <laughs> this is a little bit lower proof. This is a little bit lower proof than the last one we enjoyed. So probably a good call there in terms of going out in easy fashion. You're not going to end this episode like asleep on your bed. Uh, you know, as I continue to down this, we are. You called me out for like, just, like chugging like three ounces of Tennessee whiskey last time around, and I'm, now I'm starting to feel that as I'm sipping this as we continue. So one one time we did this. So this is the only podcast we do that we see each other. We we, we have the the camera on, and Spencer finished one up. I don't know when it was, maybe earlier in the year, with literally laying in bed, the laptop on his chest, <laughs> and him just looking at the camera, <laughs> like completely horizontal <laughs> on the bed. I. I started that podcast with telling you guys I've got about four hours of work I need to do after this podcast, and by the end of it, I fell asleep about six minutes after I clicked the close button and did none of that work. <laughs> I think um, little Spencer uh, just just sort of in, in the deep recesses of his mind didn't want to do that that four hours or six hours of work. Um, <laughs> you really just wanted to get wasted, and he's oh. doing work on a Sunday. Just saying. Yeah, the, the perk of falling asleep at I think what was like nine forty-five was that I did wake up at like five a.m. and just do the work then. But you know, you know first do it in the evening. Well, I will say to to his boss, uh, Spencer always says these four words: um, "Show me the money is the PC version." And you definitely should get, give him a raise. <laughs> um, Thank so you, we'll Appreciate your appreciate your efforts on my behalf. Um, a little bit of water does help this whiskey. I feel like more than some of the others. Um, just hmm. interesting. Yeah, um, I, I feel like it, it softens the uh, what I what I would say was a, a oaky or woody aftertaste, and sort of makes it a little bit more uh, even. Cool. I don't have water, but I, but 
but I do have pink grapefruit dry seltzer water. So we'll give a shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not going to taste of that at all. I feel we all learned something right now. Although this stuff, which they don't sell in North Carolina, they do sell in Boston. What up? Um, oh, gosh. Fantastic with vodka. It's a great summer. Yeah. Summer you know, you're, you you're now a vodka and seltzer person? No. no that, that's, it's I efficient. Drink, I drink vodka with this, and I drink vodka in a Bloody Mary. That's, that's the two vessels. I've never taken a, 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 a shot of vodka in probably 10, 15, 20 years. Mr. Terry, who, who did it most, mm-hmm. you know, in the last podcast or the last Chernobyl podcast. <laughs> That's right. I'm committed to the pods. I, I had my cocktail. Vodka yeah. in a glass. Not committed uh, to America. I was going to say the, this uh, Texas bourbon does go pretty well in coffee. So, cheers. <laughs> cheers. Okay. So we've, we've tried the whiskey. We've talked about it. I've got something I want to talk about, fellas. What you got? Well, as you all know, we don't get into politics that much on the podcast, but I have not been a big Bernie Sanders fan. Uh, I I throw a lot of shade on Bernie. Never or ever. But I'm going to tell you right now, Bernie might have won my vote. Because he said yesterday yesterday that if he gets elected, he's going to tell us everything, all the classified files on aliens. He's going to tell us all of it. He's like, that's one of the first things he's going to do. First week, he's like, give me all the intelligence on aliens that we have, Area 51, all that stuff. I'm releasing it to everybody. Yeah, that's jack shit. That's an easy thing to agree to. Yeah, I know Trump said he was going to do it too, and then he saw the files. (laughs) And he backed up. But I guess why I bring this up is because, all right, let's say in the unlikely event, say BJ is ever president. (laughs) You sit down at the desk. What's the first thing you want to know? Like, I feel like once you get you get inaugurated, everyone has to have a list of things. But like, no, tell me the truth about it. Oh my lord! So I mean, so that's a wow. fascinating topic. Wow! But I just you're so you're so far off of like what I could ever imagine for my life. Um, I think that um, your Spencer's characterization of me um, on on a recent. Uh, Chernobyl podcast of uh, yeah he's he's definitely like the the science person that you turn to and is a complete asshole that just just says yeah you need to kill like a couple thousand people but not going to get it done. I uh, stick by this summary, thank you. Yes, you are. Yeah, um, <laughs> and you know I I I was telling telling him on text that I feel personally attacked, but but not in a bad way. Um, <laughs> you feel personally summarized, not attacked here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well. Um, I mean, I, I guess I feel like there are going to be, like, so many fascinating, like, experiments and, and, and again, you know, hashtag on brand, like, so many science things that um, I feel like just looking into the DARPA files would just be one yeah. of my first things, you know, mm-hmm. hands down, just, like, what is all the crazy shit that the U.S. has been getting up to for the past, you know, 40, 50, 60 years, like one of the one of the many things that came out of this project was the internet. Yeah, it'd be uh, fascinating. And so this is sort of all of like the crazy stuff that the U.S. just sort of tosses money into. I think there are a bunch of um, 
like random weird things that they tried to do, like uh, train bats to uh, strap them with bombs. Um, I think there was like a, they did that in World War Two. That's confirmed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about confirmed stuff, like yeah. not, not not the stuff that has been unreleased, but the confirmed stuff that they've done with under the purview of this agency is hilariously insane. And this is they're going to be releasing stuff that is either like unworkable, out of date, or actually completely unfeasible. And if that's the the stuff that they're talking about, there has to be so many files of just crazy and or cool things that they've done that are never going to make, you know, the light of day. And and actually kind of, Spencer, I wanted to call you out um, in terms of, you know, acknowledge things, your, your broken arrow. Um, <laughs> probably very good reasons that the U.S. is not going to confirm certain things, mishaps or whatever else, because identific- nuclear secrets are like the the cream of the crop of things that you know we don't want to talk about and so whenever like capabilities or details are talked about um and you know not to go into politics too much but you know every so often when things are released that governments do and intel that they got and how they got it it's just like holy shit somebody talked about that um so so anyway, so, so that was kind of the uh, you know the, the the most interesting thing to me, um, and so I appreciate the uh, the Jeopardy music because I have been talking quite a while. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, uh, Levi, I think this topic excited you, or at least it sounded like it did. Uh, well, two things. One, uh, I, I I was researching um, the the Bernie story. Uh, apparently, he said it on the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, <laughs> very on brand. Which yeah. is very, it's very on brand for, the, for that podcast. It's, it's bringing down people like Joe Rogan, uh, Elon Musk, attaboy Joe Rogan. Keep at it. Um, so that was mostly all, all shitting that. I mean, the problem here, right, is that you need to pick something that there's a discrete answer to where you just want to know the history of something, right? Like, who killed JFK? Um like that is a is Keep a it one, but but like that's not an, a, a discreetly answerable question necessarily, right? They, yeah, they may not know. They, there may be multiple theories. You know, there's a, there's a predominant one, um, but it's not a it's not a solved case. Um, so I'm gonna go with something that that I'm pretty sure will be a discreetly answerable question, which was what happened like. What was the background, the run-up, and the execution on the creation of the Stuxnet uh, virus that, that took down a uh, huge or several situations in, in Iran, um, which is a crazy oh, uh, story. Um, that is good call there. So, for those who don't know, um, I'm looking at looks to be about um, it's been in development since 2005. It was executed in 2010, but basically um, between the Israelis and and the U.S. They came up with a, a a worm that slowly modified the oscillate or, or, or the speed of oscillations of a centrifuge in the Iranian um, nuclear program. But this this involved them accessing air gap computers, um, 
involves several like zero day unknown vulnerabilities on, on, on various pieces of software, including Microsoft Windows, as well as the industrial control, um, you know, the, the, the big sort of Siemens style industrial controllers. Um, so it was just a crazy sort of story of a of, of very, very clever operation. Um, I think the, the the predominant theory is that they basically got in by leaving USB sticks in the parking lot of these these places, and people pick them up and put them in their computer because, uh, much like Sensor and BJ, they think, hey, this is free. That sounds fantastic. Um, <laughs> but I think that there could be an answerable could be answerable whether or not the US was involved, and if not, what is the technical write-up of, of the background there? Because that is a crazy story. It's, it's new enough that we probably have good files on it, as opposed to some of the crazier things in our history, which was probably sparse documentation on. Okay. Uh, I've got a few. Okay. Um, so one, I, this is just confirming what I think I already know. I want to know which agency was responsible for shooting down United Airlines Flight 93. This is a what? long, I have what? a theory. I've long believed that the U.S. government shot down Flight 93, which is the, the third plane, or fourth plane, I suppose, that was hijacked during 9-11. It just, you know, went down and crashed somewhere in Pennsylvania, I think Somerset County, Pennsylvania. Yeah, um, I remember, um, go ahead. Before you go on here, just for the, for the listeners, um, I'm pretty sure we've had this conversation before about, Flight 93, um, and I was laughing to myself because I had forgotten that that was a controversial take, and I, I just assumed that everyone knew that's that's what happened. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure we've we've commiserated over this, you know, 2003, five, seven, like way back in the day. We were just like, oh yeah, yeah, that that happened. Uh, for for background sake, Flight 93 is the one that was actually made a movie about it for the sake of the, the passengers revolted against the terrorists that had taken control of the plane on 9/11 and actually. According to the official account, drove it into the ground in somewhere in Pennsylvania. What a great story. Isn't that, I mean, if you could just write it, wouldn't you just write something like that? It never happened. No, no, they, they shot it down, um, which they should have, by the way. But I would just want to corroborate that. I also not too interested in the JFK assassination file. Really not. Um, somebody shot him, whatever. I want to know, I want on my desk, I want the White House logs of visitors when JFK was president. I want to know how many times Marilyn Monroe came into the White House. Oh, that's a fun question. I want to know. I want to know all of it. Like that—that's the dirt on JFK. I'm releasing, even as a Democrat. I'm like, yeah, well, 47 women in June came in <laughs> <laughs> between 10 p.m. and midnight. So, do you think that you know the Secret Service has files on like all of the, uh, let's say, clandestine? Yes. Uh, that that sort of all of the presidents have essentially since since the inception because you know they they, they are the they check everybody out that the president is going to have um, shall we say contact with um, Spencer you're shaking your head I also need the files on Carter Carter <laughs> Carter was a dog I'm sure of it. Carter? Carter, I'm sure. Carter? I'm sure. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like Lyndon Johnson would have like maybe the oh. most colorful. Oh, yeah. Um, Him or we all know what the B sure. stands for, but... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that Carter was, was getting it. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I'm going to need. Uh, and the third one, obviously, is aliens. I need to know everything the U.S. government knows about aliens. I'm not sure it would affect how I govern, and I'm not sure even as a civilian... Like citizen, it would change my day-to-day. -day. I'm just super fascinated. Uh, uh, I don't want to I mean, the thing, the thing that would make me so happy is 
I'm like 99.9% sure the file on alien is on aliens is going to be, you know, massive, massive boxes on like all the SETI research and everything else. And so it's going to be like these huge folders and you, like you're going to get a summary that says like all of the work that's gone into like how we would contact, you know, all of the, you know, plans that the, the government has in place, you know, in terms of military strategy and diplomatic strategy. And it's going to be summed up with it's never happened. We think it's completely unlikely that it's ever going to happen. And, you know, right. you know, here, here, here are the, uh, you know, gigabytes of, of uh, text files on, on all the research that, you know, that, that we've done and everything else. And well, then I'm like, no. As I said, that's what I imagine Donald Trump encountered. Like, he, he said that he was going to release this stuff. Uh, he got there. The person was like, yeah, yeah we estimate it's about um, 3 million pages across 57 agencies. Um, and, and and he's like, well, I need a summary. And he goes, I, 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 he's like, I, I, I need that a is the summary. Uh, and he's like, I, I, you know, the, the person who's representative is like, look, I, I can't. Well, 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 we don't have like a, a a person who can summarize. We'll get somebody on it, and it's like, well, here's a like we can generate like maybe a ten page summary. No, no. I, I, I here's the thing. That's probably the most likely scenario of what happened. I also choose to believe that we have had contact with aliens. Trump learned this, and he just got it in his back pocket. Like he's waiting for that next Hollywood access tape to come out, and he's just going to be like, yeah, what about the fucking aliens? Huh? Yeah, just grabbed by the proboscis. Yeah, we would. We've had aliens. Like that's how we. Wouldn't that be amazing in the course of human history that we found out that we contacted aliens because Trump decided to declassify it through a tweet? He would that way. It'd be amazing. Please do that, Trump. Spencer, your turn, okay. Spencer. What 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 boring Wikipedia spiral do do you want to uh, find out about? Uh, well, one point you guys, you guys, one thing that continues to impress me about um, JFK is that. By any modern definition, that man was legitimately disabled, but the cavalcade of women that were brought into the White House during his period would be fascinating to review, of where he earned marks against Nixon based on the fact that he looked so upright and composed, and that he was wearing a back brace because he was permanent back pain. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what that killed him, him, right? Because he couldn't duck. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. No, it's true. I laughing. Listen. No, this, if you go back and look at it, he got shot. For, the first time he got shot, it didn't kill him. And he tried yeah, to, for his he neck, tried yeah, go on. He tried to duck, and that's when the one hit him in the head. But he, he tried If to he duck. didn't want to get shot, he would just move out the way. Wait, are you <laughs> suggesting that due to his injuries from PT-109, where he saved his crewman from a cut-in-half patrol boat, he was unable to duck from his back injuries? Is that what you're suggesting right now? No, you dumbbell. He had a back brace on. So it limited his ability ah. to actually duck down into the seat, and that's why his head was still exposed even after the first shot. He tried okay. to, if you look at the tape, he tries to go down, but he's limited in how far he can go. It kind of, it kind of rotates back and forth. I understand. Uh, in terms of the information I'm curious about, and I'm so, pardon so me. Go, going with uh, pres- presidential disabilities, would you go with uh, late Reagan? Ooh, that's probably a sad file. No, I would not go into uh, Reagan's descent to Alzheimer's. That would be fat. That would be interesting to review. But uh, one, two things I would focus on. Uh, first, one thing I would find fascinating is that most of the modern era, in terms of review of the presidency, has been built around the Vietnam War. One thing I'd be really interested to review is the Gulf of Tonkin incident, of where 
our reason for going to Vietnam was based on the fact that um, North Vietnamese patrol boats attacked various American destroyers that were situated outside the Gulf of Tonkin. And there's been a long time theory and a long time pondering about whether this was entirely fabricated. So I would really be curious to go into how much of that was based on them actually appearing or how much of that was entirely faked. Because so much of what is our current view of the presidency, our current view of our basis of government is on this incident, on the war that resulted from that incident going forward. So that would be really interesting to review in terms of whether that was entirely faked or whether there was a certain degree of North Vietnamese involvement that was expanded upon thereafter. So that would be one thing I'd say. Another thing I'd go into would be, um, you guys ever heard of the Nixon's enemies list? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Ever, Nixon had a long list of various enemies, of various people he deemed enemies of the administration, or people that we deemed a threat to the government or a threat to him personally. It was broad enough that it included Paul fucking Newman, a personal enemy to his administration. Checks out. I would be fascinated to review what internal individuals have been selected by the president for monitoring on an ongoing basis, just to know what individuals, individual presidents deemed a threat to them personally going forward, and so set the FBI, the CIA, whatever else, to monitoring going forward. That would be fascinating to me to know who they were and their reasons for it. Just to dub what personal individuals, JFK, uh, LBJ, Nixon, Carter, uh, Reagan, or whatever else, deemed a personal threat to them and set various uh, spy indices to monitor them going forward. So I have a presidentially related question. Um, how badly do you want to, do you A, think they keep a file, and how badly do you want to read the, uh, the letters that presidents have sent to or left for their uh, successor? And uh, to append to that, what do you think the next one is going to be? Oh, my gosh. Oh, God. Trump's? I, I just want to read whatever. I mean, I, I don't want to read it. If, if he's not leaving one. He's not leaving a letter. If he gets reelected and he's, he's term limited, that one isn't interesting to me. I'm interested in he loses the election and then has he, to write the letter. He is not sending a letter. He's leaving a tweet. There is no, there's no lever, letter going to be let behind. He's going to buck that tradition you, you entirely. You don't think there's going to be like a big Sharpie, like, you know, seven, seven words. No. That's all he can fit on a page with his signature. Like, he would not make that effort. No. He would oh, leave a tweet, and that would be all that he would leave in terms of. I tweet. think you're going to see a letter that's just like, you are a piece of shit, Donald Trump. Like, he was going to be well, so curt. In, in, I, I think it'll be great because he'll be using Sharpie on the desk and there'll be stains of it like in the, that he uses. No, I, I'm one of those that adhered to the theory that in, in the event that Trump loses in 2020, he will refuse to accept it, he will blame illegal immigrants, and we will get a situation where the, the uh, Secret Service actually has to remove him from office. So I expect no letter whatsoever. Yeah, that may happen. That's in play. It'd be fascinating because we've never really yeah. seen a U.S. president refused to give up power before. I do think we have mechanisms in place to ensure he is removed if he loses the election, but it would be weird. We're in a situation where he won the office by any accepted electoral college uh, issue, but refused to accept what the popular vote holds about the, the circumstances. So he's if he loses, make, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't see him accepting the result because he's already not accepted the result when he won. So anyway. it would be a fascinating situation. I feel like we should move a little bit away from politics. I'm sorry for bringing that up. That was my bad. Um, so, does remind so, me. Wait, wait, PJ, I know our listenership. They, they, we don't have Republicans. <laughs> um, 
may you live in interesting times. But but Lee, I do want to hear from you because you just said so. Yeah, I'm so I'm really interested by the like just reflecting on myself of the two things that Terry and and, and Spencer brought up the ghost of Tonkin and United ninety three. Um, I, I I genuinely forgot that that was a controversial take. I just assumed that well, everybody knows that they shot. We shot it down. <laughs> no, um, we don't. Go on. Yes, that, that, that's a fact. That's as much of a fact as anything in the world. Uh, well, absolutely. So, is. so I have some questions for you because, um, how, like, essentially, how do you think this was done? You know, with what mechanism? Um, but I also feel like we're going to spiral in. To, to some weird weird territory if we address this on pod. Um, I feel like... But I do appreciate... So, so are you running done. for town council anytime soon? Like, you, you're being very diplomatic here. You are. It's me, Jack. As the only I, one who, I, who expressed well, that you could never be president. It was literally... <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. But but also, I was literally just called out for it, so, so it is, uh, you know, in my mind for, for trying to be a little bit more uh, diplomatic. Um... Mr. Cole, you're going ahead. Yeah, so 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 Levi, like, I, it's fascinating to me that like you don't think this is controversial, but I feel like you you are the um, repository of uh, conspiracy theories for our group, um, and I, I'm and I'm curious if you think that the your one of my favorite conspiracy theories of all time, just because like you're so heavily invested in, in this is with Circuit City, is you know, if you think that there's some <laughs> governmental influence on this or is this just like a, you know, drug money laundering or, or whatever else. No, Circuit City was just a front for, for some sort of criminal organization. Um and again it had to be. Had to be. That by the way nobody ever bought anything. No one ever bought anything. The styles were super wide. They had like you know shitty big appliances that people don't buy regularly, so they don't earn enough money from them at the very front. They weren't trying to make a profit. They clearly were a a front um, because they lasted for an unusually long amount of time um, until the walls came crumbling around. But again, I, 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 the part that's really getting to me is really speaking to me is that I keep forgetting that some of these things are, are controversial, and I just assume they were truth. And just like, oh yeah, yeah, ninety three was shut down by the government. Um, we. We either knew um, or or played the Gulf of Tonkin incident, um, like the same thing with the the bombings of um, Pearl Harbor. Um, we we knew ahead of time and just sort of just let the it bombings of Pearl Harbor. I mean, yeah. sure, sort of. Yeah, we, it is a conspiracy theory. It's accepted. Um, wait, that we knew ahead of time? I thought that was confirmed. Yeah, uh, confirmed. there's some debate about it still. I I'm I'm a little offended, BJ. By you designating Levi as the conspiracy theory, like 20, 25% of my brain believes that all presidents except for Donald Trump have been lizard people. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start there. <laughs> you say Levi is the guy who, who runs the conspiracy theories. Yeah, obviously, reptilian humanoids, these are uh, creatures that live below Earth's ground. Oh. Um, they come up, they put on human skin. And they become president and governors, and they control everything. And what's really thrown everything awry is that Donald Trump is not one of these people, and he got elected. And so the reptilian humanoids are not happy right now. <laughs> Let me ask a question just right now just to, to confirm. Uh, as far as I know, I'm the only one of us that's actually been an employee of the federal government at any point. Have any of you guys worked for the, the uh, federal government? No, Define your terms. Government, but that's it. 
I worked as a clerk of court. I was paid okay. by the federal government. No, no, no. But define your terms about working for the federal government. Were you directly receiving a paycheck yes. from the United States? Yes. Was it through an Was it through a university, or were you actually were directly receiving? Well, uh, I I don't know. Well, okay, so so you're a lawyer. You can tell me. Like I've gotten fellowships from the NIH. Well, again, offensive. I can tell you that. I worked for a government contractor. Oh, Why are you okay. saying you need to be a fucking lawyer to figure out how the money flows? CJ, I'm I'm very upset with you, um, both for not respecting my profession, but also not respecting the fact that I have committed to the lizard people conspiracy theory. Okay. The problem I have as okay, a so former please, federal please employee. Go on. Please. If you worked at a fel- – you should get a fellowship through a university, correct? From the NIH, yeah. Yeah, so basically the, the university applied for a grant. The grant was accepted. I they take the money. They, I applied they, for a grant. You did not apply for a grant. You applied for a grant through your university. The money flowed through your university and paid to you. So you're, it's different than what Spencer's okay. talking about. I'm not sure the, the distinction matters, but that's what Spencer's saying. It is. And the problem I have with the, pretty much every conspiracy theory about the federal government is that it assumes a level of competence that I do not – I cannot assume exists. <laughs> Of where every conspiracy by the federal government assumes that there's this ongoing conspiracy they're able to keep hidden. That they're exercising operations in a way that the, the uh, common U.S. public will never be aware of. That are done the absolute maximum level of ability. And I just, having seen the federal government from the inside, I can never assume to any degree that A, they'd be able to pull the operation off. Or B, that they'd be able to keep hidden Go on an ongoing basis thereafter. That's what I was having that, there. Well, I, I, I kind of disagree with you there. I, first of all, to I what degree? Like, so, so I feel like comp- compartmentalization is like a big thing and, and super important with keeping things secret. And so the, the various arms, arms of government, like, yes, as like a, a large uh, institution, like it just isn't going to keep things secret. But, you know, as, you know, somebody is like, no, like, we can't talk about this. You know, we're going to say that, like, three people are going to find out about it, and that's it. You can essentially narrow the number of people that can keep a secret, and so you can successfully keep things at least relatively secret. And the other thing is, like, then, then there's, like, the amount of time something stays secret. And so I feel like there are a lot of things that stay secret for an incredibly long time, and then they sort of eventually come out, but it's sort of like, a, and, and it may be a shrug at that point because people theorize or whatever else, or it's stuff that most people don't care about. Um, and like I have, like I know, like I have some personal stories. My dad worked for the government for an incredibly long time, and uh, like I've known people in interesting positions because of that, and and I've heard like various stories that like eventually can be told and and stuff like that. And it's just like, well, a lot of that's really boring, and and then there's a lot of theory and speculation that people are like oh, this is clearly how it is, and maybe some of it's true and some of it's not, and then it's, like, you know, not confirmed or denied, and so, you know, there's a lot of information that's out there that that people then accept that maybe hits on some truth but not the entire thing, and so, and in that way, a lot of things can stay 
fairly secret, but the general knowledge is, is sort of there. And so I think that the secret is the degree in many cases rather than like the general fact. Like, you know, if we take, I think we were talking about, um, we're essentially talking about satellite surveillance at some, at some point earlier in, in our off-point conversations. And so the degree that we have satellites that can observe things is like a, a well-documented fact, and we all sort of know about it, but the exact degree and accuracy and information that, that we can glean from them, I have no idea, but it has to be hilariously good at this point in time. Probably, yeah. So, Spencer, well, I, I, I do appreciate that perspective on things because sometimes people have conspiracy theories about very, very vast things, very large conspiracies, um, very people. ones that don't have to span a lot of departments, a lot of people. Um, in other situations, they're very narrowly focused ones. Like let's say we get some signals intelligence um, in, 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 you know, by some operator, the person would have told their boss. Their boss would have would have would have transmitted over to to to, to some some larger installation. You can count on on two hands probably the number of people that have to know um, that discrete event as it's happening. Um, in the example of United 93, uh, the pilots, uh, their signal operators, and any people the pilots talk to um, would know about it. Potentially some people who. Um, Maybe someone who's an ex-pilot who was like a, 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 a whatever the Doppler type thing that that, that uh, flight controllers use to keep track of planes there. Radar. Um, radar. There you go. Um, I'm sorry, I forgot that brain fart. Um, like a couple of couple of radar operators in the area who were ex-military and knew the characteristics of planes in that area um, potentially. Um, but I think the number could be could be reasonably low and targeted against a population that, that are good at keeping secrets. I also think that there is a um, there's an incentive for that lie, which is the country needed to hear a certain thing in that moment, right? So I can see that lie being kept a little bit better than ones that don't have that sort of narrative behind it. Like, you know, we I feel like we need another podcast, which is uh, you, Lee, and Levi, like proponents of uh, like a given conspiracy theory and that then Spencer and I just like poo-pooing up against it and just being like well these Wikipedia articles if you look between the lines like clearly this information says that like this would not make any sense well okay well we, for episode one lizard people let's <laughs> but one of the issues we run into now one of the issues we run into now is that before the present moment or before a few years in the past the abilities you had to convey information were through other people, or you had to go to news sources, you had to go to professional individuals to convey what information you knew. We now exist in a world of where any individual can release to the entire public whatever they know without any degree of oversight or whatever else. So what prevents a person in the know, the person who listened to the aliens, the person who watched Flight 93 be taken down, going to Twitter, Facebook, whatever else, and telling them what happened, whatever whatever uh, supporting evidence he has. That's the problem with every conspiracy theory, of where you no longer rely on a, uh, an extra secondary layer of review. Every person can just convey what information they have directly to the public. You, you could say that they um, could be lost in the maelstrom of every, every other post that's posted, but... If they have evidence, they have information. What stops them from just conveying it? So, so Spencer, is is 
am I correct in, in, in understanding the logical conclusion of what you are proposing is that since uh, 2001, two or three, uh, there could be no conspiracies ever? It would be hard, significantly harder to hide them, yes. What does that mean? That there is no longer a set source of information that people are listening to. Spencer, I, I think I just need you to, to, to say, say what you mean, because all you're saying is that it's easier to transmit information nowadays because of the Internet, uh, and, and therefore uh, it makes it harder to keep secrets. Um, Yes. That doesn't mean that there aren't secrets. That don't mean that doesn't mean that there are conspiracies. Um, but again, I, 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 I get where you're coming from, and I, I, I do agree in principle on the sort of the size of the scope of the people who, who would know about this thing is very important to, to the the um, the believability of the conspiracy theories. So, for example, the the really really silly opinion that Terry has about lizard people. Um, you think they take Whoa. off their suits every once in a while, um, but personal they go into the Earth's core. You have to remember that part. Yeah, but I'm, I understand that. But like, surely at some point, and they they slip up, and their 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 human flesh suit falls off, uh, and some bodyguard sees it, or you know, housekeeper, right? Or they mm-hmm. just kill those people, or, or are they really good there? Oh, that that good. Good. Okay. <laughs> We're all So, so this, is a, this is actually, I'm doing an inside joke here with Levi. This is a callback to when Levi and I lived together, and I did like a multi-week sort of jag on lizard people. And every <laughs> night, Levi would come home and make his dinner. He just left the gym, and I'm like, hey, another thing about the lizard people thing. I got something else on that. I was looking at today. <laughs> And by the way, the, the, this is a signal that, that, that we're meant to be friends. Um, when he started this off, I was like, oh, it's David Icke's theories. Um, I, I read about that <laughs> in high school. <laughs> it's like, well, he was like, oh, the lizard people conspiracy. I know it well. Of course. Well, I, I didn't know it in depth. I, I knew that it existed, and I sort of cast it off and, and thought it was an insane thing to, to believe. And so I really appreciated Terry's uh, gusto uh, that he has toward, towards that, that, that very silly belief. But go for it, buddy. Well, it's, it's something that I—it's something that I uh, came—I uh, came to know about because Louis C.K. was on a radio show talking to Donald Rumsfeld and asked oh, him right. repeatedly that's... if he was a lizard person, and he Rumsfeld would not say no. He, he refused to say he was a lizard person, which is proof enough for me. Oh, that's right. I'd, I'd forgotten where this has come up, and and I watched it because that was, that was uh, Louis C.K. on Opie and Anthony, right? Yep, and he just kept asking Rumsfeld over and over again, can you can you just definitively tell me now that you are not a lizard person? And he wouldn't say. Spencer, what are you doing? All right, well, I'm glad I brought the podcast with Screeching Halt with my lizard person. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I think we can move on from the conspiracy theories. BJ, Spencer, Levi, anything else you want to bring up? Uh, yeah, so, so there's a major thing that I want to bring up, but I do really want to address uh, what what Spencer is doing right now, because um, he's only a little square in, in my video feed. Um, but the major thing that, that I want to bring up is uh, apparently Spencer has been housing a child with him for at least a week for the past four or five years, something like that. And this has never come up before, and this has no. literally only be come up because it has impacted our podcasting recording schedules. Um, and and again, Spencer, like I, I find it really funny that as you get more inebriated, you find like anything within arm's reach to like pull 
play with, like somebody that's like really, really high, um, and just like marvel at like the different angles and 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 faces, okay. whatever it is in your hands. Anyway, um, well, let's tell the audience what he's doing. So, <laughs> I I sent him a pop filter, which is a the sort of little <laughs> thing that you put over a microphone so you don't have weird popping sounds as you're talking in the recording. Uh, which some folks have said that I had. So I bought one I bought for Spencer. It's hilarious to me that Spencer did not put the pop filter on when we started the podcast. He has waited till part two, just about at the end, to even start playing with it. And it yeah, and essentially like a cat, it's just like marveling the thing that came out of the box <laughs> and, and, you know, batting it around, sniffing it, and she's like, this, this is a weird thing. Anyway, but to, but to go back to um, Spencer having a child, um, so so we really found out about this when he was talking about needing to get his toilet repaired because a child was going to be staying with him. And again, Spencer, like, I, I feel like I have to, to put you on blast as it were, because nonsensical things that you say that I maybe make sense in your own head of the, yeah, we need to get our, like I was trying to repair our toilet because we're having a child stay with us, but we're getting a plumber to come in to fix it is, is a really weird thing to say for many reasons. First of all, like having a non-functioning toilet in your house and because some impressive change in your life, you're finally addressing it is just in, like really weird to me. Um, second of all, go at Spencer today. <laughs> Yeah, BJ, where were we talking to start in terms of that? I, I, I have no idea, Spencer, because because <laughs> this is just like a black hole of insanity to me. Okay, have you ever opened your toilet bowl to see how the particular flush function works? Yes. Okay. That, so it's not the bowl; it's the tank. But but yes. It's also called the bowl, but go fine. Fine. Whatever. It's, it's not a propeller; it's a turbine. <laughs> Fair point. Uh, the particular chain that connects the uh, the release that allows the water to flow in and out of the tank had broken, so I needed to fix that before the flat valve. Yeah, go ahead. Let's use technical terms. Fine. It is broken. Make your head, Spencer. Watch out. So I need to buy a new both uh, plastic bar that also cracked and also chain that was connecting down to the valve that released the water that went in and out of the tank. I had to go replace that because we had a guest staying with us is that for the third time now, we were inviting in a 10-year-old child to stay with us for a period of about a week to go to a summer camp near us for math and science training uh, on behalf of a long-term friend of uh, Bridget's that she has several kids that uh, come down to Fort Lauderdale over the course of um, whatever years we've been doing this, probably about six years now. Question for you, Spencer. Who pays the camp fees? We do. Ah, there it is. Interesting. Uh, you know we pay for the camp. For do you have the receipts for those? I have the receipts for those. Yes, I do. Uh, we, we pay for the camp. We pay for the housing. We pay for the food. We pay for every expense associated with this long-term vacation that the uh, particular kid is tied to. As they go to a camp for about seven days down here in Fort Lauderdale before then being shipped back to return to their home in Jacksonville, Florida. Shipped back. <laughs> wow. It's usually been through a family member, but there's been other ways to uh, send them back to where they came from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that told us all we need to know. <laughs> okay, Trump. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it tells us a part. So, 
so is, is this housing a child, you know, practice? Is this how, how did this first up? So so is is this something that that you were just like told was going to happen? I mean, I feel like there are other instances that we've told stories that just you know, just tried to show up in your house like one day and and. And then you were informed, like, oh, they're staying with us for a week for, for this camp. It's a great um, question. Or, but do you think there's any chance that Spencer said, oh, you have a lot of kids? How about you one come stay with me and I spend a bunch of money on it? Under any circumstance, would you ever he ended suggest up 100% not. But, but that, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm sort of looking at, like, you know, how did this start out and how, okay. how were you informed of this? This started out when Bridget was two years old. And she was attending a particular preschool and greet another child on the swing set. And thereafter, she and that particular other child had been best of friends. It's continued through to the present day. This other person was now... <laughs> uh, so, so my favorite thing about this, and, and, and to, to hopefully make it a little bit better radio, Lee has just taken off his glasses and is massaging his face to try and come to terms with this story. Yeah, Spencer. Uh, keep going, Spencer. Okay. Um, said child has grown up and is now now an adult with three other kids. And <laughs> your descriptions are just glorious. And now it's an adult with three other kids because that's essentially what happens. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little drunk. Oh, going forward. Oh my God. <laughs> Bridget, about six years back, thought it'd be a great idea. There's a lot of math and science camps down here. Where it would be great to offer that this friend send one of her children down here to attend a very well-regarded math and science camp. They can get a incredible experience, incredible unique experience away from the family, getting wonderful education during the middle of the summer. And so she offered this way back in the day to the first of this particular friend's children, and we went through that one and then offered to continue it. Through wait, the wait, wait. You can't say we went through that one. He, he, his phrasing is so weird because he also said send a kid as opposed yeah. to visiting. I mean, so, so like, first of all, you just, just yada, yada, yada like a story, which what I, I would mean, you again, like to know? Get, so give us details. Okay, so your, your your whole setup there was very weird. Um, you started with the beginning of, of two people growing up. Um, I'm surprised you didn't go to the start of the universe and try to start a revolution <laughs> there. His <laughs> <laughs> friend Bridges, uh, has, has grown up and has had several kids, and you guys have, have been, been doing this thing for a little while. Six sure. years ago, um, you said uh, so she, she said she has three kids, um, yeah. and you say you, you're – the 10-year-old, which, given that it's happened for six years, is a very weird uh, situation. Maybe this one right now is 10 years old, and the previous ones, who know the, knows their age? So presumably... The age is going back, yes. The, at an age-appropriate age, maybe 9, 10, 11, 12, um, a kid gets gets uh, sent to you, um, either by bus or they drop them down, and you guys host them and pay for them to go to Yeah, the go to kids camp. are bussed in, and so, you know, they get um, to go to a better school. What? Mm, Kamala. Who brought this up? Like, did it start before you, or? or, or? I, I'm I'm going to answer for Spencer. Uh, this is something Bridget told him they were doing, and now they're doing it. Because there's no way, Spencer. Spencer, I don't know how much money that's costing you, but I've I've seen you order at like uh, like just at a restaurant. There's no way that you would have signed up to spend this much money. This is indeed in the category of things where Bridget said, "I would like to do this, and I would appreciate if you would agree to it," and I went along with. 
So yes, you got you got right away. Ah, shout out to me. Did did Bridget was Bridget doing this before you guys uh, moved in together? No, this was okay. after I moved down to Florida. Okay, so this is a new thing you guys are doing. The uh, first place that you guys lived together. Yes. Interesting. 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 Here, I have a question for you. Are you willing to, for some amount of money, go to Bridget and say that Terry has too many cats and therefore we're going to board a cat for a week and take care of it and send it to training? I enjoy cats. and I would pay for that experience. If you'd like whoa, 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 whoa. Down whoa. to Florida for me to enjoy. Spend Be careful. Care. One of them's an asshole. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> one, one of these cats, cats I'm very much aware. But also... I enjoy cats. Again, like weird turns of phrase. Like, yeah, so, so Spencer... You sound like Alf. You, you, I'm right. not going to eat the cat. Nice not, reference. Not to, uh, to to talk too much about the oh, the podcast we do, but Spencer, your dislike and your, your talk around dogs is extremely weird. It, it is extremely weird. That's like it's, it's disturbing, and it has upset a lot of our fan base. He lives in my home. What else do you, what else would you like to know? Okay, so the kid comes down. Um, yes. They, they go to camp, so they're in camp uh, probably from like 8 a.m. 5 p.m. Who, who, who drops them off and who picks them up? Is it you? Uh, we switch off, but I do, I do the uh, majority of the dropping dropping off and picking up. Okay, you can't switch off and do the majority. Yes, you can. It's it's an interesting characterization, Spencer. That's all we're yep. saying. Um, so uh, I, I also want to know. What meals you've prepared for this child for this, mm-hmm. this week, and how has that that worked out? And it's a also, meal replacement thing. <laughs> are, are, are there stews that you prepare that you have to eat immediately? And are you like indoctrinating this child with like your your stew craziness? I have cooked four meals for this child while they've been there, and I've made every lunch. So I well, I just desperately want to know what you've made. I have made a stir-fry based around a uh, variety of previously frozen vegetables from Costco, uh, chicken and shrimp, and soy sauce and some fresh brown rice. I have made a uh, chicken Was mozzarella. Was this on Friday? Did you do stir-friday? No, Ooh. I did not do stir-friday. Taco Tuesday. I've made a chicken mozzarella, which is a chicken breast, a chicken breast hammered flat, uh, covered with thyme, salt, and pepper, among other spices, with a mozzarella cheese wrapped up with a bacon wrapped around it, usually with toothpicks, so I was able to work it without that. Cooked in an oven served with rice, peas, and corn. Spencer, that, that dish, that's one of your staples, right? Because you've described right. that dish to me before. I made a variety of staples for this child over the course of the time we had together. Nice, okay. Uh, Just showing it? off my memory. Good friend over here. I made a, uh, in terms of the stew reference you made, BJ, I made a fresh soup with uh, some large Dagwood sandwiches. They were to dip in the soup as they enjoyed it. I made... There was a long cavalcade of meals that I made for this child of the course that was there. And then every morning I woke up about two hours earlier than I normally do to uh, both wake them up, make them a fresh smoothie and cereal for their morning breakfast, and also make them a sandwich and various other fresh fruits, vegetables, and other enjoyed preserved products so they can enjoy during lunch during over the course of the day. Why are you saying I feel, like, I feel like you need a blog that is like a Midwesterner's housewife blog because that's what this really sounds like to me. And, and I feel like that's the role that you're playing and, and it just really amuses me. 
I've done this over the course of three separate children, so I've become particularly expert in terms of the process of it. Hmm. Okay. Sounds like an equitable um, adjustment with uh, the amount of work being done there. Uh, anything else we want to talk about with uh, Spencer and his adopted kid? It's, no, it's very weird. Uh, breaking news. Breaking news, guys. Uh, the New York Times, Jeffrey Epstein was not under suicide watch uh, when he took his own life. Attorney Je- uh, General William Barr says the death, quote-unquote, raises serious questions. I agree. Serious questions about who killed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it like, to keep topical. A.G. Um, Barr just could not. I mean, how fast until Hillary Clinton's name comes out of his mouth? Like, it's coming <laughs> in the next hour, maybe? We can either confirm or deny we know where the, either of the Clintons were at the time. when. when we <laughs> I know exactly where they were. They were in the Earth's core. <laughs> Lee, like, you're you're going to have a hell of a time editing this, uh, this, this half of the episode. Have fun with that. Fuck it. I'm just letting it go. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. We're having fun. People listen. Oh, by the way, guys, I was uh, I wanted to mention, um, Mangum Talks podcast channels now has over 4,000 listens. That's awesome and insane to me. Um, did you finally uh, beat out our Midnight Garden of Good and Evil? Oh, do tell. Uh, yes. Yeah, Chernobyl uh, Episode 1 is now the, the most listened to podcast on the Mangum Talks podcast channel, followed closely nice. by Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil Part 1 from Mangum Talks. The most random statistic we ever have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, I think the second most listened to reads is uh, Guards Guards, which just depresses me. Yeah, that, that, that was just me being like, yeah, I didn't read it, and this shit sucks. <laughs> Terry Pratchett is, is our friend. We need to try another uh, bit of his literature and see if we can we get the, uh, more listeners in the podcast. <laughs> Someday. Spencer, Someday. have you finished your whiskey? I have. Uh, uh, you just need to house some bottles right now. <laughs> Upon sending you guys, in the case of Lee sending him a separate dose, I don't actually have that much left. You just like looked at a third of a bottle of whiskey and said, "I don't have that much left." I that I love how how your views have changed. Mm. All right, guys, this has been a very weird whiskey on the weekend. Thank <laughs> you for indulging me in my weird person conspiracy theory. Uh, Talking about off the rails. Anything we want to cover before we're done? No, we're very much done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's enough uh, shark jumping for. For one uh, episode. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. I enjoyed this, fellas. Thank you for joining me. Part two of August tenth of Whiskey on the Weekend. We will see you next time. Thanks everybody. See you.